We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 16 of Prince Kai Fan Pod. I am Ashley. And I'm Bethany. How are you doing today, Bethany? Tired, but good. How are you? I'm also tired. My trip to Destin was a smash hit. Awesome. That's yes. a great reason to be tired. It is a good reason to be tired. There's lots of drinking, lots of pool, <laughs> lots of swimming, and it was great. Drinking is nice. <laughs> Sometimes, when done responsibly. <laughs> when done responsibly. How about you? What have you been up to this weekend? Just massive o- overload. Massive <laughs> overload. I've been working like crazy and school started, so I've been working like crazy on that. Spanish is really hard to learn. Yes, it is. It's kind of overwhelming. <laughs> and then we're also moving. So. Woo! Oh, and I've like doubled my workout, so I'm working out twice a day plus going on walks, so... I've been getting up at like 4.45 and going to bed at like 10.30 every day, and I don't really stop in between everything, so yep. super busy, but in a good way, super busy because there's a lot of good stuff going on. That's good. Yeah. Last week's Fan Art Friday was posted, The Art is of Cinder, and it's by at M-A-I-A Sketches on Instagram, and it's of her with her little mechanics glove, holding a wrench, looking out. And I liked it. Yeah. Side note, this is my husband's favorite one so far. He really liked it. So It's a good one. I like how simple it is. I I love how simple it is. I love that her hair is kind of messy, but in a really cute way. Yeah. I can't pull off the messy ponytail. It's something about the curls. It just doesn't look good. (laughs) But it looked adorable on her. It did look adorable. I liked how illustrative it was. Yes. And I like that the glove was an actual, like, welder's. Mm -hmm. It looked like a leather welder's glove. Yeah, it was good. I like yeah. it. So good job at M-A-I-A Sketches on Instagram. And you can visit our Instagram and our webpage and our Facebook to check out that artwork. Speaking of art, don't forget about our logo art contest submissions that are due by October 15th. And it's slowly, slowly, slowly creeping up on us. Yeah, just over a month left. Oh, so yes. ooh, it's very exciting. It is super exciting. <laughs> and Becca, the librarian... Gave us a little shout out. I even found a podcast with ladies who loves this series as much as I do. And I thought that was the sweetest thing ever. I did too, because it's just such a tiny little shout out, but it's so nice. It's super sweet. (laughs) So a big thank you to at Becca the Librarian on Instagram. Oh, on Instagram. I have some questions that I'm going to answer because I've gotten quite a few different messages just asking about them. So I am working on adding all the chapter quotes to the website. It's a little time consuming because we weren't as well organized in the beginning. So I didn't keep track of the que- of the quotes for each chapter. So I'm going back and I'm listening to the episodes trying to find where we said the quote for each chapter. So that's a little time consuming. Other question I got was if I was going to add all the Easter eggs to our website, and I am not. <gasps> How dare you? Because I'm <laughs> saving them for the Patreon. Yay! So we've been talking a lot about getting the Patreon set up and what some of the rewards are going to be, and that is going to be the entry-level reward, which will be $3 a month, 
and you'll get access to our Easter egg discussion, and you will get the episode a day early. Yay! And just to, like, clarify, Patreon is 100% optional. All of our episodes and public content will still be free. This is just a little extra extra. It'll help support us, and it'll help you guys get more involved in the community. And Ashley just had a great idea for the top tier, which I think is, like, 15 to 20 a, a month. Yes. So... We were thinking about adding something a little extra, one-time, little, fancy, 3D-printed, something or another. And for Cinder, I was thinking that it would be super awesome to have a 3D-printed shoe in yeah. honor of the episode. Yeah, I love that. And I think we would do that for the beginning of every book. If you are a top-tier patron level, you will get a 3D-printed icon from each book at the start of each book. So for, for Cinder, it would be the red high heel. For Scarlet, it would be the, the cloak that's on the cover, yeah. and so on and so on. And the other things you'll get for the top tier is I'm going to make a t-shirt that you'll get once as a thank you. You'll get a surprise gift on your birthday. You'll get a shout-out every episode. And you will get monthly recommendations on podcasts, books, movies, and TV shows. Ooh, I know. That's probably going to be a lot of Doctor Who from you or Friends. Doctor <laughs> Who and Friends, but I'll try really hard to find TV shows that are relevant to the book. Okay, that works. Yeah. I like that idea. Maybe all within the same theme. I think it'll mostly be easier for me to do books mm-hmm. because... Oh, yeah. I love fairy tale adaptations, so I could recommend a lot of books. I mean, you're also kind of a librarian, so... I'm totally a librarian, so my (laughs) whole life is just, I want to talk about books. So that's the Patreon. Obviously, when we get more established and we get to the 30 review goal, which is when I'll start the Patreon, I will give more information and I'll probably do like a very elaborate (laughs) explanation of what the different rewards will be and how you can participate But that's just a little something to answer why I haven't put Easter eggs on there yet. Yep. And I'm really excited for that to be on the Patreon because I think it'll be cool to have, like, an open discussion about Easter eggs in general. I think that'll be really awesome. Yeah. So that's it for our housekeeping for this week. Chapter 19 is huge. It's my favorite chapter. I don't blame it for being your, like, this is incredible. My favorite chapter, and I absolutely love it. So where did we leave off? We left off with the doctor telling Cinder (laughs) a burn about how she cannot blush. I love that line. And we start off again in Cinder's perspective, which is nice. It is. It's like picking up where we left off. It it doesn't stop us and then send us to another character. It starts off with Dr. Erlon telling her to sit down. Because he's got some, he's got some shit he needs to to do. Yeah, I love I love her talking about the prince, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, I wrote, blah. I wrote, Doctor Erlon has bigger concerns than your social life, Cinder. Oh my god, isn't that the truth? <laughs> but I mean, uh, she's echoing it. This she is, is echoing it. <laughs> And I like the whole moment where she's, like, a little overwhelmed with it. And then yeah. she kind of talks herself down. Yes. She's like, it's only because you're available and you don't freak out and you're convenient. And I feel like we've all been there where something really good happens, but we don't trust it. So we try to pick the holes in it. Yeah. I you like know? how she replays the conversation. That's that's what's funny to me. Yeah. It's, just cute. it's like well, a little... Remember she talked about when... And this is a really sad comparison, but remember... 
when Peony got carted mm-hmm. off. Yeah. She talked about her interface automatically replaying it over and over, over again. And, over again. and I think this might be something similar where if she's focused on something, it because just, like when we're focused on a memory, we replay it in our head, but we don't have a video of it, and she ooh, does. Minus songs. Okay. I, we watched Sweeney Todd this weekend because I promised John a movie. Okay. And we just now got around to it. <laughs> and we watched Sweeney Todd, so I had all of the songs going through in my head and singing them over and over and over and over again. Okay. So I, I do this. That's why I thought it was endearing because I do this I... all the time. Mine is like everything. Songs, TV shows, <laughs> smells, especially Ooh. smells. I very vividly remember the smell of my Aunt Robin's house. And it's just like, it's one of my favorite smells in the world just because it's like being wrapped in a big hug. Oh, that's <laughs> When sweet. I was a kid, I used to go, they live in California and we lived in Illinois. And I used to go to her house and I would spend like an entire month there every oh. summer. And it's one of my favorite memories from when I was a kid, just yeah. hanging out at their house and going on bike rides and beaches and sleeping in, on my cousin's trindle bed and getting in <laughs> trouble for talking at like two in the morning. And Naturally. My Aunt Robin makes the best breakfast burritos in the world Ooh. and pancakes with fruit salsa. And every time we go out to visit her, she invites us over to have, like, a huge family dinner. And she doesn't even have to ask. She knows that's what I want her to cook. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> so, I like, love just it. this smell, smells bring back so much emotion Memory. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's songs. But that's sweet. I love But, like, if story. you think about it for this, the smell would be, like, what, the sterile hospital? That's horrible. Delicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good smell of a sterile hospital in the morning, guys. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I – so when you talked about her, her going through and replaying everything, next to that paragraph I put beep like her brain is going off. Oh. <laughs> that's so funny. Because, yeah, she's, try- she's calming down. I mean – you know, first time getting asked out. Ooh. Yeah, it's a big one. And I even, I think, like, self-preservation was only part of the reason for... I think almost, like, yeah. he really he really did want to ask her, and he really did want her to go, and he then really the self-preservation to. was, like, a, a safety a net. For, yeah. <laughs> and do you think this is an exaggeration to be funny where Dr. Erlon says nearly a stampede because that's I what I wrote. It was like, they're really a stampede or was he like, well, you know, there was a stampede last year. Like, well, we, they, like being facetious or something. From what we know so far of the prince, he's handsome and all that. And so of course all the girls are going to like And he's the namesake and for our podcast because of Prince Kai fan club. Yes. So, because we tried do, to do a play on words. So this reminds me of when I was a kid. Um, do you remember Aaron Carter? Oh, I remember Aaron Carter and Lizzie yes. McGuire. Lizzie McGuire is coming back, you guys. Woo! Okay, anyway. But, yeah, like, <laughs> any of those boy bands in seeing back, uh, Backstreet Boys, things like that, how girls act and people yeah. act, when they see them. Jonas the Brothers. Band, they scream and all that stuff. I, yeah. I immediately thought of that. Yes, that probably definitely happened. I completely agree. <laughs> I completely agree. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. I said yikes to the to the italicized part next that said the most convenient. I was like, ooh, that's a hard Ouch. thought to yourself, Cinder. Don't think that way. Well, like I said, I think she's just trying to poke holes so that she lowers her hopes and expectations. True. Oh, man. Cinder. So then Dr. Erland is basically chastising himself for not finding a cure in time to save the Emperor. He is. He's very sad about it. But... 
this illness takes people so fast that he protected Prince Kai from false hope, but he doesn't protect himself from it. Yeah, that's a good point. And he can't protect himself from it. He can't really. And there's no orange light. No. So there's no, so our speculations were correct. The reason he hid it from Kai was because he was worried about, well, what we said was that we didn't want to get our hopes up, but he doesn't want to draw attention to it because it would be Prince Kai's responsibility to share the news with the country slash the world. And that's a big responsibility if a week later he has to say, we ain't got Yeah. If he has to come back a week later and say our research team was wrong, we don't have a cure, we're nowhere closer to finding it than we were a few days ago, like, that's not just false hope for the prince and the emperor. That's That's false hope hope for the the entire world. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. It is. I'm glad that he didn't say anything to the prince. I am, too. I am, too. They really... Especially now that the queen is coming. Yes, he's got so much on his plate. Can't even mourn the loss of his father because, because he's so distracted by everything that's going on, especially yeah. Queen Lavana's unexpected. The predator. The predator. The predator is The predator's uninvited visit. So after that, she murmurs, you also didn't tell him I'm cyborg. Which, I mean, for this, I really thought that it's none of his business. I mean, that's patient um, doctor confidentiality. Right yeah, there. and that's basically what the doctor says. Yeah, he says, do you think I should tell him? But I frankly didn't see that it was any of his business. Yeah, because honestly, it isn't because of that. I mean, hopefully HIPAA's still around, but because Well, of it's that, another country, so it might not be. It might not be, but still, there's that privacy that you should expect from a doctor, too. Yeah, I mean, I think that Dr. Erland is, is also really perceptive, because he, he yes. hit it earlier, too. And he I think he's just very perceptive of her cyborg shame. Well, I mean, she's always hiding it. Yeah. That makes sense. And, he, and that comes up later in the chapter, too. So then after that, <laughs> he... He makes fun of her again for showing some interest in her. That's what I got from it. Oh, he teases her throughout this entire chapter, and that's why I love it. It's serious, right? This this chapter is a serious chapter, but at the same time, Dr. Erlon is over there just poking at her. And it's nice because in the in the rest of this chapter he's like super serious. <laughs> he he does get super serious, but I like I like the little jokes and stuff that Dr. Erlon does to us. I also liked how they entered 11D, but it looks exactly the same as 4D. So all these doctors' rooms look the same. There's nothing different. And we well, there is something different that I wrote an entire sentence about. There's Go no ahead. mirror. There is no mirror. And I, I've i noticed that for two reasons. One, is it being removed because the Lunar Queen is coming? Oh. But two... Well, like, that means that no one's watching this conversation. She is having a private conversation with Dr. Erlond, which is. might be why she noticed it. It could be, yeah. I, w- I would say that, so the reason uh, they look the same, except for the mirror, of course. Right, that's like what I noticed was no mirror. I think it was curious that she wrote it this way, because then we don't, we already have that image in our head, and she doesn't have to write exactly what it looks like. That's a good point. She doesn't have to describe it mm-hmm. again. I liked I liked that. That's why I wrote That's a nice writing technique, because mm-hmm. it's always slightly annoying when you're reading something you've already read before. Yes. she. Cinder also tells the doctor about how she went to the quarantines today to visit her sister. And he tells her it's a risk. 
It is a risk. are not supposed to leave. I don't know if you wrote anything about that. She had to see her, and then she she asks about the Medroids. She does. She Oh, yeah. But before that, I wanted to point out that she talks about Dr. Erlon having a light beard, and... <laughs> I think that that's just a little show, the way that she described Kai having red eyes. He's been working hard. He's been yeah. up all night. He's been exhausted so is for the, the same reason. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. The um, big deal is that she talks about one of the Medroids took an IG chip from a victim after she died. The Medroid said it was programmed to take it. It had dozens of them. Dozens. Dozens. Ah! So she asks the doctor, because he's in that medical career field, he should kind of know what's happening with people. Well, I wrote, how do the Medroids get programmed to illegally confiscate or sell ID chips? Because that's what he says. He says they get sold. They well, get how sold. are who's programming them to do this? Because it's obviously illegal. Like, where are these Medroids coming from? Who's manufacturing them? Who's programming, to have, who's programming them to do these things? Is it... Is it... As they're manufactured, is it part of that? Is somebody hacking into them? I think it's probably a hack thing. I would hope because it's a you hack would thing. think that like Medroids to me seems like something that would be government funded. Yes, but you can still put in like. So here's the thing: if it's happening during the manufacturing process, that means that there's a mole at every manufacturing process, right? Yes, or factory. I mean. Which but is possible. It wouldn't need, necessarily need to be at every single manufacturing process. You could have it where it is I think, the programming that they put on there and it's all the same. I think what probably happened, and this, I don't know a thing about computers as far as this goes, <laughs> so I might be wrong. But here's my thing. They're probably all connected. Ooh. So could, it yes. might have happened after the manufacturing and someone can manipulate the programming for one of them okay. and it affects all of them. Yeah. And that would obviously be much simpler, much quicker, much mm-hmm. easier to do. So yeah. that's my thought process. I don't think this is ever explained in any of the books how these Medroids are programmed. I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. But you have, you're on the right track for your thought process. Yeah. I don't know much about programming. That's not what my job is. I, I should ask However, my husband. You should ask your husband about that. However, there could be a back door that people are using to get into the medical droids. Well, since we got on this topic, let's talk about what he actually says when she asks about the ID chips. Yeah, let's do he it. He says that they it's a common practice in rural parts of the world where letamosis has been claiming lives for much longer than it has in the cities. The chips are extracted from the deceased and sold off. Illegally, of course, but I understand they can fetch a high price. So, somebody's doing it to make money. Obviously. obviously. Identity theft, yeah. Identity theft, and that's what I wrote in there. But, so the thing is, is that this is what happens typically with hackers. They want to exploit weaknesses, and there's probably weakness in these Medroids that the government hasn't gone off and fixed. So that's what I deal with, is finding those... The bugs are found, the, the things that can be exploited. We go through and we patch our servers. So that's what I typically deal with when I'm not teaching. Patching those servers and blocking people from get, using those ports. There's a port or something, some sort of ability to get into these metal droids and exploit it. And they haven't found it yet. That's what I find kind of curious is that they haven't found it. With my, most well, my back, background in technology... If nobody's looking for it or aware of it. True. Nobody might be aware of it. Which I don't think anybody's aware of it except people who, like Dr. Erlon says, like, 
it's not a common practice in this mm-hmm. side of the world. And that could be very well what, what the other problem is, is that it's... Or people might not put much stock in it. Maybe there are, like, rumors that something like this is happening, Ooh, but yeah. people think that's not possible. There's no way that they would have that kind of control over Medroids. They think it's, like, one of those urban legends yeah, or I didn't even think about exaggerated that. myths yeah. or something, you know? But par- it goes back to that paranoia conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah, oh. the government. You know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, the government is selling off ID chips. Sure. It goes back yeah. to that kind of conspiracy theory, I think. It is a- definitely. That those conspiracy theories, which kind of pop up every every once in a while in here. In these books, they in sure do. Books, yeah. yeah, and I didn't actually make that connection in my books. I just made it just now while we were talking about it. So it's not even That's in my one. notes. I don't like that there's identity theft still happening in the world. But Obviously. there's. <laughs> I think there's always going to be identity theft. But I want to know who is buying these. Well, he says it's probably people selling them to Lunars. Yes, and he does say that, which... Makes sense, but also criminals, things like that, on the black market. But he also talks about, with all the Lidmosis fatalities in the past few years, one would think the market is saturated with unneeded ID chips. It's curious that they would still be in demand. So, how many of these are out there in the world? Do we ever get a... You have a better memory than I do. No, do I don't get a think, number. I don't think we ever get like a clarified number, but we can assume it's pretty large. Uh, yeah. If he's saying, if he is saying that the market, <clears throat> if he's saying that the market is saturated, that would mean that there are so many that you shouldn't need to sell them, but they're still being extracted. So yeah. to him, there are so many people dying and so many ID chips being removed, and we saw that this one in particular had dozens, dozens of it. So. I mean, I would assume that it's a pretty high amount. It is a high amount, and, which and would make it very cheap for people yes. to buy these and just change Well, and identity. also, he hints in this, in, later in this chapter, he hints that it's mostly lunars. But you have to think about it. It could also be criminals, mm. victims who are trying to escape from horrible home situations. Yeah, like, there are any number of reasons to change your name and run away. Okay. Cinder was just about to do one to escape her home situation, so... Yeah. Maybe not steal an ID chip, but she was going to cut hers out and live off the grid with Ico. so... That sounds like a great idea. I think <laughs> it sounds like... But that's her plan right yeah, now. That's her her plan, plan right now is to run away the night of the Peace Festival, cut out her ID chip, and live off the grid with Ico. In this society, ID chips are so important. They've got everything Well, and that's what Dr. Erlon says, too. What, what does he say? He says, I have it all underlined. Money, accounts, benefits, licenses... They all require an identity. Yeah, and you need, you need an ID chip to have an identity. I think it's creepy as frick. Well, now <laughs> we get Cinder's opinion on it is that why would you need this? And that's what he says, thieves, fugitives of the law, the rare lunar. And then she's like, there aren't any lunars on Earth. Uh, I love that line. I do love that how, line. There no- how naive you are, my sweet child. <laughs> my sweet summer child is what that's I That's basically what he says to yes. Dr. Erlon's gaze filled with pity as if she were a naive child. <sighs> Not all uh, lunars are so easily brainwashed. Yes. And people, the lunars are trying to escape. Yeah. They risk their lives to escape Luna, relocate here. And we learn that many are dying to in the attempt. In the attempt to come yeah. down here. And, and again, she's like, but that's illegal. And I lots, laughed. Lots of shit is illegal, Sandra. Like what you're about to do by cutting out your ID chip and running away. Yes. 
there's there's all sorts of stuff that's illegal that people do. Like yeah. stealing ID chips. Like stealing ID <laughs> chips. That we've just been told in here. Yeah, there's... Oh, you sweet summer child. To, to quote J- George R. R. Martin. Sweet summer child. Never saw Game of Thrones, so I don't know that one. That's, but I believe yeah. you. <laughs> you should, yeah, I've read the books. They're, I love them. But another story for another time. I... Also underline magic. Anytime there's anything that deals with magic, I underline it because I'm a witch. And they talk about the magic with cloaking their spacecrafts. And I thought that was peculiar. Just it is in general. peculiar. Like, could you really, like, imagine cloaking something with magic? Can you? I mean, that's, it happens all the time in Harry Potter. True, but they have invisibility cloaks, shield charms. Oh, shield! I forgot about that. But you have to understand, the lunar's gift is to, which is explained in great detail. We'll go over that in a second. The lunar's gift is to be able to manipulate things, what people can and cannot see. Yeah, it's interesting that that would extend to machinery, but yeah. Because you think machinery would be the exception since that's why they don't want mirrors and they can't be seen on the net screens. Mm-hmm. But you never know. You it's never not know. explained in this in this pair in this chapter. It just says that they can cloak their spacecraft. So yeah, it's just very peculiar that it's written that I just. So after that, I wrote who's a preju- who's prejudice now? Oh my god! Because Cinder is Soup's prejudice. She is not that prejudice in general is always oversimplified. Not everyone is going to have the same characteristics as people. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we talked about last week where Muslims are currently getting a bad rep because there's the, the few extremists, extremists yeah. that are causing more attention. And it's it's similar to that. Obviously, there are going to be some people who are lunars who abuse the gift. But those who are running away to Earth are going to be their shells. Yeah. So they're not a threat the same way that other lunars would be. And would she be. still calls them those savages. With a programmed ID chip and their ability to brainwash people, they could be anyone, become anyone. I mean... And since it's all in the same chapter, you guys should see my notes. There are erases everywhere (laughs) because I was just like, egg hatch, egg hatch. Like, I was just writing over and over again, this is an Easter egg. And then, like, two paragraphs later, it hatched. So... Basically, everything in this chapter is an Easter egg, and then it gets hatched later on in the same chapter, which is really, really, really cool, I Which think. is why it's my favorite chapter. There's a lot going on. There's a lot chapter. that goes it's on. It's also why this chapter, despite the fact that chapter 20 is a relatively short chapter, and we were almost going to combine them into one episode, but there's just too much going there on much in going this on. chapter to to share it with anything else. No, this is its, its own. I... She's got this prejudice, this stereotype in her head of what these lunars are, and I really, that makes me really sad. Well, that's what I wrote. I wrote, Savages seem, seems a bit harsh. She knows very little about lunars in general. Only what she's been told from the net. Absolutely. Which could be swayed one way or another because of... Media extortion. Media. Exactly that, what we're dealing with now in real yeah. life. What we've dealt with for centuries, basically. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, think, and he even says, like, don't you don't need to be frightened. It's extremely unlikely that you would have crossed path, paths with one of these. Now, here's, again, it's not a spoiler because it happens during this chapter. Where he says, the chances that you have ever crossed paths with one is extremely unlikely. Do you think the orange light should have gone off since we're about to find out that she is Lunar? <sighs> Do you meet yourself? I guess not. 
I guess not. You never actually. But he's just yourself. crossed paths with one like that. I don't know. All right, all right. I it's would just, say you never meet yourself. Well, it's also if we're to assume that he's correct, that she's lunar, and that someone brought her to Earth to escape. That person who brought her to Earth was a lunar, so she would have crossed paths with one previously to being eleven. Right. Yes, but would she remember it? No, but that's not the point. Oh. It's not do you remember. It's the fact that you would have crossed paths with one is unlikely. I don't think it would go off. It obviously didn't. I was just yeah. curious as to why it didn't. I don't think it would because of my about herself and then. And it's not necessary. He's not saying that it didn't happen. He was saying yeah. the chances are unlikely. Yeah, it's not very high that you would meet a lunar. Yeah, that's and a good point. That's a good point. And we get to talk about how the lunar gift works. I wrote, I literally wrote in my notes, read pages 71 and 72, lunar gift explained. Get it, girl. So, she doesn't understand how their glamour works, so we find out. Yes. The lunar gift is nothing more than the ability to manipulate bioelectric energy. The energy that is naturally created by all living things. For example, it is the same energy that sharks use to detect their prey. Becca was nice enough to do a little bit of research on that, and it's totally true. <gasps> Even in fetal sharks, pre-birth had the ability to do this. Hmm. So she was really excited. She wrote, it's flipping cool. So the energy exists, and sharks can detect it. Wonder how, quote, science... Oh, wonder how the, quote, science of it works for the lunars to manipulate it. I think it probably has something to do with their exposure to the moon and yeah, the outer... And the outer space elements for so many centuries that mutated them. But that part is not explained. How about the radiation from the sun? Cause That's a good point. They're much closer to it. They're most, much closer to the sun and they don't have the Earth's atmosphere. We've speculated that they must have some sort of artificial environment, but we haven't gotten any confirmation as to how they survive up there. Yeah, it could be a lot of weird things up there. I would say it's that radiation from the sun. Yeah, I think that's a good point because that would help. That would make sense. Lunars have the unique ability to not only detect bioelectricity in others, but to also control it. They can manipulate it so that people see what the lunar wishes them to see and even feel what the lunar wishes them to feel. A glamour is what they call the illusion of themselves that they pro project into the minds of others. So I read this and I'm like, damn, that sounds like a lot to do. <laughs> like, that sounds like a lot of effort to expend on... He doesn't Make explain it working. as taking a lot of effort. Maybe it he becomes doesn't. second nature to them. Maybe. And this part is really interesting to me because, again, it's happening in the same chapter, so this is not a spoiler. <laughs> making you more beautiful is what I, I don't know, our next one. I was going to point out making a person see skin where there is only uh, metal. Yeah. Because later in this chapter, we find out that she is, in fact, a lunar. <gasps> so that part right there. Is that a hit to her? Because earlier, the last chapter, she talked about willing her hand to be pliable and soft as a regular hand yes. without steel. And now he's calling her out saying, or it could be like making someone think there's skin where there's metal. Oh, he's calling her out again. I love yep. you, doctor. So I wrote, <laughs> I wrote egg hatches all over the place. Straight. There's a bunch of chickens running about in this chapter. I, I also want to mention that... She asks about the mirrors. So they don't like mirrors because they don't want to see themselves. 
I, I underlined it for two reasons because, again, peculiar. Very peculiar that you're right this way because we did learn earlier that they took down all the mirrors. And at one point in my life, I never wanted to see myself in a mirror, so I avoided mirrors like the plague because I didn't like the way I looked. Oh, we probably all had experiences like that, yep. I think. Insecurity, so I, vanity is a factor. It is a factor, and I underlined it because of those two reasons because it kind of resonated strongly with me, and I could I could empathize with others being that way and i like what he has to say like it's more about control it's easier to trick others into perceiving you as beautiful if you can convince yourself you are beautiful that's another good one it is another one. one so then after that after that all right everybody take a deep breath and brace yourselves Because there's a lot going on. So I am just going to give a quick outline and then we're going to talk about all of it. Go outline She tells him, Queen Levon is coming to Earth. The doctor freaks out. Basically what happens is she tells the doctor that Queen Levana is coming to Earth. He freaks out. He does freak out. He says, oh no, she's coming to prey on Kai. He's like, I thought I would have more time. You have to leave. You need to leave now. You need to stay away from her. And Why? You're a lunar sender. <laughs> You're a lunar sender. There it is. There's my Harry Potter quote, you guys. Yes. You're a lunar sender. In Hagrid's voice, I heard, You're a lunar sender. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> when I read this, I read it so fast because it, it feels fast. Like, your heart's pumping, the adrenaline's going, because he's freaking out. And this is this is a complete change from what his, pers- what his persona is in the beginning of the chapter. A drop of a hat turns into somebody who needs to get stuff done. They need to get it done. And he is panicking. He tells her, GTFO, stay away from the palace at all costs. Do you understand? And she doesn't. She she doesn't understand why she has to stay away. And that's where he has to tell her, Miss Lynn, you must listen very carefully. And she gets all sarcastic, and he does not have time for it. No, he doesn't. You were 11 when you had your operation. And before that, you don't remember anything. And I wrote something about this. My stepfather died not long after the accident. Previously, it was mentioned that her stepfather died not long after arriving back from Europe. Yeah. The mention of it specifically happening after the accident. Yeah. When did she get adopted? When did she get adopted? Like, did she wake up and she was already claimed? Did she have to live a few days in an orphanage, in a facility? What happened to her between the time she woke up with no memories and was adopted and taken to New Beijing? Because yeah. this implies that she knew him right after the accident, right? Yes. That he it was automatic almost. Yeah. So I'm wondering when she got adapted. Me too. I do yeah. too. 100%. And how he even found out about her to adopt her in the first place. Yeah, that's peculiar. Like, was he looking for well, another, was, like, working hand, Found heard there was a cyborg that needed adoption, and then I just, would, like, pounced? Or maybe he was somebody that was trying to work on her because of her cyborg parts. We get told early on that he has a bunch of medals and stuff about his research. But we don't told what we're not told what we're his not research told what is his for. Research was for maybe it was for cybernetic. Yeah, maybe things. he was one of the people involved in her case, mm-hmm. and that's how he adopted her. But that's yeah. neither here nor there because there's some really big stuff going on. There is a lot of big stuff going on. Do you know anything about your biological parents? Just what was in my files. The files on your ID chip. Yes. So, uh-oh. What is that? What is on your ID chip, Miss Lynn, from your blood samples, I have deduced that you are, in fact, lunar. Dun-dun-dun! Yup. She's a lunar, and she... And she just keeps repeating it. Lunar. Yep. Lunar. Lunar. Yep. Lunar. lunar? Indeed. <laughs> and 
She also says, I don't have any magic. Folding her arms in defiance. Yes, mm-hmm. well, not all lunars are born with the gift. They're called shell. So some, some kids are born without the lunar gift. And they're murdered. And they're murdered. Emphasized. Which is terrible. I hated that part. That's the only part I really hate about this chapter. I hate how Lebe saw he is when he talks about it. Yeah. Because this to me is a huge thing. They're called shells. It's slightly derogative. And then he's like, bioelectrically challenged doesn't sound much better. And he chuckles awkwardly. And I feel like he's chuckling to try and cover up how distraught he finds the whole situation. Yeah. I mean... He finds it terrible that the Lunars do it, and that's why he's chuckling awkward to try to cover up his extreme disgust. Yes, because it is disgusting that people would do that to infants. The Lunars would do that. They're not people anymore. They're their oh, own race. I of, guess, yeah, they are their of, own race. Of horrible, horrible species of human, I guess. Yep. Um, but then we need to talk about the rescuing part. So, non-gifted infants are killed. Yuck. I hate saying that. But sometimes their parents try to rescue them and send them down to Earth. And that's what he thinks is happening to Cinder. That she got rescued. That she got rescued and brought to Earth. And the orange light flickers again. And she says that he is lying. Which... It's hard to know what part he's arguing or he's lying about. Yeah. Because a second later, the orange light goes away. It does. And it didn't go off earlier when she, when he kept saying, you're a lunar. Yeah. So what it's part? weird to see what part he was lying about. And she doesn't even get a chance to ask him because he's still panicking. He is still panicking. He explains like how she's... How he knew she was lunar because she was immune. How the disease was brought to, to Earth by lunars the same way that the con- conquistadors carried the plague oh. to Native Americans. The same way that the rats carried the plague. All sorts of different. To, to Europe. And so. How disease spreads, essentially. I mean, absolutely. that's how it, how it spreads Carriers. from one place to another. Poor sassy cinder. She's just like, no, no, you're wrong. And she is also, it, isn't it bad enough to be cyborg? Yes, isn't it bad to be cyborg? And she thought she wasn't contagious. And he talks about... Oh, and she also talks about how she is both cyborg and lunar. Which, I feel bad for the poor girl, but at the same time, it's what you are. Also, I feel bad... Yeah, I feel bad for the poor girl, but big picture... Yes, big like, picture of life. Oh, shit, it sucks to be lunar and cyborg. Girl, you need to realize that you're lunar, and he's telling you to hide. That's yes, the big hide. picture. That's go what's hide. going on right now. Yes, yeah. it sucks that you're lunar, and you were already cyborg, and now you have to be both, but he's telling you to hide and fear for your life. That's what you should be focusing on. Probably. Right. And I like that she was. he tells her that you were brought here for a reason. Yeah, I, like I love that. that. I love that. Somebody loved her enough to bring her down here. Yeah. That's what I saw. My family, I come from a family of immigrants, and it's always been very aware to me that someone in my family, that several people in Mm -hmm. my history have made sacrifices. Some of them died. Some of them worked several jobs. Yep. Some people had to leave half their families behind to come to the United States. I have always been very aware that I'm very lucky to have been born in the United States so that I can say... I am American Mm -hmm. and I know that I'm lucky for that because someone brought me here for a reason. Yep. 
And that really, that quote really spoke to me because it reminded me of all of the reasons that I'm grateful to have been born in the United States because there are people in my family who weren't. Yep. And And they had to work really hard to, to get here and to get their citizenship and things like that. What a good worldview. What a good worldview. Thank you. What a good worldview. Thank you. He tells her, you cannot let the queen see you. No matter what. I am talking survival, he says. Survival. See, that's the big picture. Survival. Survival. You have to survive, Cinder. Yeah. You have to survive. Stay away from Queen Predator. <laughs> yeah. She will would kill you. She's she's a shell. And again, she's, there's no orange light. He is not lying. Get not out, lying. girl. GTFO. Pack up pack up your bag and run run away. Not saying that, but get away. And this is where I wrote a note. Where she's freaking out, everything she knew about herself, her childhood, her parents was wrong. A made-up history, a made-up girl. I wrote, made-up or stolen? Oh, that's such a good... Because she might be one of the Lunars that has a stolen ID chip with a stolen identity, and she never even knew. Never even knew. So I'm wondering, yeah, it could be made-up, but it seems like the information we're given in this chapter leads me more to think that it's a stolen identity and a stolen girl. Mm-hmm. Somebody that was of the same age... Who did actually die in a car or in a hovercraft accident? Yeah, they they didn't even have to fabricate anything. They just they just handed it over. Yeah, yeah, that's scary. Or possibly it's an ID chip that they reprogrammed they and they could. just kept the name and the and the birth dates and the parents and things like that and changed it from like maybe she died of letimosis and they changed it from dying of letimosis to dying. dying in the hover act because they would have had to manipulate what injury she got in the hover accident and yeah. we know that these ID chips are being stolen in letimosis quarantines. They are, yeah. Or as far as we know, that's the only place that they're being stolen. So that's my thought process is maybe this isn't a made-up person. Maybe it's a stolen person. I think you're right. It's not a made-up identity. It's a stolen identity. Cinder over here using identity theft. She's so prejudiced before, but she... I I wrote that. That was one of my things. And you were hating on on them like three pages ago. Exactly. (laughs) You were hating on these people. And And now you're one of them. And that's part of why she's so disgusted and so overwhelmed with this information. She was just calling them savages three minutes ago in her head. Yeah. It's... Yeah. And... I just... You're in extreme danger. He tells her again. This is like the 20th time. Not really. That's an exaggeration. That you are extreme danger. You need to go away. You need to hide... Um, if she sees you, she's going to kill you. Like big picture, big picture. Lynn, Lynn Cinder run, run the hell away. And he says the last line. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. And right when she's still trying to deal with that, she gets a text on her screen. Just announced lunar queen Lavana to come to the Eastern Commonwealth for peace alliance discussions. Just announced lunar queen Lavana. So it's like one of those things where it's a banner scrolling at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, and so it's scary. You are in extreme danger. Miss Lynn, are you listening to me? Yeah, she said. Extreme danger. I heard you. Just so, that's, like, monotone that's and how robotic. I read it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I understand. I'm in danger, still processing. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a cyborg. And something I completely forgot to mention, in page 178 on the second paragraph, Dr. Erlon talks about body like how the body can rid itself of the disease but you're still carrying it around with you becca drew a parallel here to typhoid mary who if you don't know who that is you 
they look it up. Definitely. She killed a ridiculous amount of people by being a chef in different places and not realizing that she was spreading the disease by mm-hmm. having typhoid herself and mm-hmm. not using proper sanitization. And even after being told several times that she was spreading the disease, she still didn't believe it and changed her name and kept spreading it and spreading yep. it and spreading it. So most people get sick from typhoid for the same reason because they're exposed but immune mm-hmm. and they're a carrier. And this is what this is exactly what she wrote. So you guys don't get to hear Becca's voice, but you get to hear Becca's thoughts. Most get sick from typhoid. Some are exposed but immune. Mary was a healthy carrier and also a stubborn brat who seems to have chosen to ignore the science of it. The sawbones ex- episode on her is fantastic. I don't know what sawbones is, but I'll look it up. I'm curious. Yeah, so it's, it's it's great parallel. I mean, that's just that's how diseases are are spread. That's how they manipulate and they become what they are. Yeah, I agree. So I got to pick two quotes for this chapter because Becca didn't have time, so she said I could pick one. So for Becca, I picked, like, making people think you are more beautiful than you really are. I I think if you replace the word uh, like with lies, you've got one hell of a quote there. You do. Lies are ways of making people think you are more beautiful than you really are. Yeah. That's so profound. It's (laughs) so profound, Bethany. Oh, my God. So what was your quote? My quote was, Miss Lynn, from your blood samples, I deduced... That you are, in fact, lunar. Because it was the holy moment. Oh, yeah. You're a lunar cinder. It's a big holy moment. So my other quote was, Miss Lynn, somebody went through a great deal of trouble to bring you here. And you are in extreme danger. And like I said before, that's just because of my own personal family history that really spoke to me. It does. So that was chapter 19. How are you feeling? I'm a little overwhelmed. My anxiety is high. I, I liked the whirlwind of this chapter. Like I said, this is, I think, my favorite chapter in this book for sure. I'm not sure if it's my favorite chapter in the whole series. I have yet to still finish right, right. winter. But when we get there, I'll tell you what my favorite scene is, and it's okay. winter. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. So, see, you guys have to keep listening to the podcast, because we're not going to get to winter for a long time. So, if you want to find out what my favorite scene is, you got to stick yep. around. Definitely. <laughs> so... That was chapter 19. Again, my favorite chapter. Absolutely. Um, So for next week, please read chapter 20. It won't be as long of an episode, but it's really important that we do chapter 20 by itself. End of this book. Yes, and then we're going to start book three. And we have two eggs for this chapter. Two eggs. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And send us your submissions for Fan Art Friday and for our logo contest. If you enjoyed today's episode and you would like to help us out, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Facebook. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud or CastBox, and we will read those reviews as well. If you give us a shout-out on Instagram, and guess what? We're going to read those ones as well. Yep, just like Becca the Librarian at the beginning of the episode, so... Send us your questions, comments, or concerns, and we will address those on the podcast as long as it's spoiler-free. Definitely spoiler-free. Yeah. So, see you next week. See you next week. Bye! The passages read for you today are from Cinder by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Ashley Leonard. Thank you for listening. <laughs>